get into gate. This is episode 165. We are talking Stargate Atlantis. The get into gate team is here. My name is Mitch. Joining me, Maddie. Yo. And Brendan. G'day, guys. There we go. That's you. We're back in the Pegasus Galaxy this week. Uh, talking episode seven of uh, season one of Stargate Atlantis. Poisoning the well. Now, uh, two weeks ago, our last Atlantis podcast, Maddie, um, we were, we were, all three of us really were laughing about the fact that the, the children in Childhood's End, their nickname for the Stargate was the Well or the Wraith Well or whatever, and we're like, "Ah, oh, you dicks!" The Well goes down, and you're like, "Well, maybe that's got to do with the next episode." Obviously, it doesn't, but it's called Poisoning the Well, and we soon find out why. It was, um, but I'm glad you did that because I had no idea to, what to expect because. Get in the gate. It's really a first watch rewatch, and uh, Reese has been our first time watcher for Stargate SG One. Now that we're in Atlantis, I'm the first time watcher, so we get to season seven, which is six episodes more than I've ever seen in the last twenty years. Let's get into what that's about. It is and weird then- that we've always joked about that that we don't need Reese now. Like come season eight, season one of Atlantis, <laughs> we don't, and then he's just not here. He's just not here, and we haven't <laughs> spoken about why he's not here. And uh, so, how about that synopsis? Absolutely. Exploring a new gate address, the team encounters the Hoffins. Hoffins? Hoffmans? Philip Seymour Hoffmans? A human civilization that has developed a drug with the potential to make them immune to the Wraith. When they learn of the Wraith's awakening at the hands of the Atlantis team, do they? The Hoffin leaders grow impatient and demand that the people be inoculated before the drug is proven safe. Dr. Beckett, the Scottish one, is appalled. But can he make the mess see reason before it's too late? Story by Mary Kaiser. Teleplay by Damien Kindler Kindler. Directed by Brad Turner. Turnster. I guess you could say this episode was written by Mary Kaiser So So. Eh? There's a a Kaiser So Say. I don't mind that. That's not bad. As the first timer, um, yeah, I didn't, I didn't mind this episode. It was again like Childhood's End, where I said this is the same thing we've seen in SG One a hundred times over, where you know Childhood End was we go into a place and we go, oh, we don't like the way you're doing things. This is the right way to do things. This was a case of, hey, we know more things than you do. We're going to help you catch up and 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 give you things to catch up to where we are to you know either assist us in the fight or to get just as prepared as we are for the fight that's coming and. And they don't know how to handle the things that we give to them. You know, they, they can't play with the toys that we've uh, that we've given them. And um, I, I guess it, it, what I liked about this episode is it wasn't necessarily going towards the end that it ended up getting to. I didn't know whether these guys were going to sort of backstab them and double cross them, the Hoffins, or all that, because they were like, "Hey, we've got this great piece of technology, you know, this this medicine that might help." So it was then over to us, and then we threw it back to them. And in the end, it, there was no real bad guy except for themselves. You know, they were doing their own injustices to themselves. They were being greedy, and I feel like in some ways, what happens a lot in this podcast is we do episodes, we review episodes of Stargate that are very timely to what's going on in the world at the moment, and the fact that these guys were trying to come up with this immunity, this cure to this, not a virus, but something that was going to attack them, and they were just in a mad rush to get something that was going to fix them, even if it risks killing them, I'm like, oh my god, this feels creepy to what's going on in the world right now. Um, so I actually kind of really liked it for that reason. I don't know whether 
that impacted you guys at all having seen this episode 15 years ago when it first came out but I actually kind of liked it even though like I said it it does kind of smell a little bit like what we've seen in SG1 a lot of times before in in the seven seasons before SGA started when you said cure that kind of pricked my ears up because that's pretty much the exact episode is the one Mm. where Jonas find out and then this this chick who's in this it episode has the same actress, yeah. Was in Cure. Because oh. I'm like, where have I seen this bird before? Of course. That was Zena. That was the, um, was what did we call her? She was um, Glory Hole Chick, remember? <laughs> the whole thing about the Glory Hole in the tent. <laughs> was she ever? Oh, my God, of course she was. Yes. Yeah. And the thing was, I remember watching that episode going, oh, she's pretty cute. This little, this, this doctor chick's pretty cute. And in this episode, I'm like, this doctor chick, she's she's kind of hot. I got a little bit of a thing for her. She's a little older, but God, she's hot. <laughs> she's a little older than I would have liked from sci-fi doctors, but uh, God damn it, yeah, right. Wow. Okay. And I feel like did this episode come too soon? Like I feel like for episode seven, that is so much progression in terms of what we know about the wraith, how they work, how they eat us how we can stop them. Yes, obviously the the price was too high in the end, you know, to to use the drug and all that kind of stuff. But it's like when you look at how long it took us to, like episode seven of SG-1, we didn't know this much about the Goa'uld. Yeah. Like we were still like, oh, nothing of the host survives and all that kind of stuff. So <laughs> oh, yeah. it's it's really like super, super, super duper on fast forward of, of us learning stuff really quickly. Yeah, you're right. Like this is coming six episodes after the pilot whereas it probably should come six episodes before the season finale where it's like hang on have we got a weapon that can fight these guys you yeah know, it actually gives you a bit more of a a false hope in a way considering where you the viewer know where you are in the season structure um you know in a 22 23 episode um television mm. series so but they they do use the hoffen drug as a kicking off point for like a whole big sort of arc Right. Nothing. It really has nothing to do with this episode. I F- think they I kind of. Image. I think they kind of <laughs> almost. I no. I feel like what they do with it is they had that idea already, and they just went, "Oh, we'll just call it a variation of the Hoffen drug." Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because it does. It does nothing what the Hoffen drug does, and it's it's very convoluted and goes in weird in weird directions, which we'll get to as we go through. But um, but like I think uh, yeah. talking about what Mitch was saying is that. This is what I like about Atlantis is that they can skip that. Like I was saying, I've said that in the last few weeks mm. in the fact that they can, they don't worry about the UN sanctions. They don't worry about like last week with, with McKay, not really caring about stealing that ZPM, like ethics wise, not that I like that they're doing that so much is that, that they can. And it's a mm. good story device is that they can just be like, eh, don't worry about the rules so much. Let's see what can possibly happen let's see like because atlantis is technology based where where the ancients eventually got to where we where we want to be and what we want to see we're also not handcuffed by the fact that you know for sg1 to be such a good show as it is they get a lot of support and help from the u.s military because of the way they portray airmen Mm. whereas because this is a civilian operation set in another galaxy yeah you're right they can get away with certain things where 
I feel like if it happened in SG one, the the um, military advisors would be like, no, that would never happen. You can't. You've got to rewrite it. You've got to change it, which they've had to do in the past. And that's this so, one of my favourite scenes of this episode is Shepard versus Weir talking about the fact that the Wraith they can do whatever they want to the Wraith because he's like, and like I've said throughout all of SG one, why don't they get someone on death row? Who they don't care about, implant them with the glow, get all the technology, all the knowledge, but their ethics stop them from doing that. Whereas in Atlantis, they don't really care about that. Mm. I feel like we did. I feel like I mean, she, she, no, that's she what I mean. Got I, a, I like that she, scene because Shepard doesn't care really. Yeah, and he gets we're on side quite quickly. I feel like she kind of, in a meta perspective, she's just giving us what the right what needs to be said but at the end of the day she's for it because the plot needs to move along but in the way that at one point she's like oh um should we be experimenting on the it's almost like she was for the wraith and she was saying like oh yeah are we experimenting on the wraith is that something we should is that something we should do yeah and what i like is in my head that kind of ties back to the fact that because we don't know a lot about the wraith yet if this was the guawood back in season one we do the same thing because we didn't know about the tokra yet so it's like there could potentially be a Tok'ra version of the Wraith and he could be one and we're about to kill him. Mm. So she kind of throws that up and then she also then throws up that line where she's like, oh, we're going to put a human being, we're going to let a human being be fed on by a Wraith. We're going we're gonna to let that happen. Ethically, isn't that a bit dodgy? And that's when Shepard's like, he's the guy on death row and he's volunteering to do it because his people are that gung-ho about it. And that's when I also I think we realise well, she's got no jurisdiction over that, like, She's she's got no no pull and, and sway over over anyone on 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 the Hoffman planet, so she kind of just goes okay, all right, do it. Plus, I like, think secretly she wants to know what happens. She yeah, wants that, yeah, she wants definitely. that weapon in, to save her people. Yeah, I think she was sort of just taken aback with how gung ho Shepard was, it, and she just needed that time to process and also to give us as an audience some exposition and make sure that we touch on. Yes, we're aware of these things, but we're still going to be doing. We're still going to move forward. Yeah, that's. I think that's why I like that scene so much because it actually falls in Shepard's favor, which is usually we doesn't do that. But the beauty too is like it, there's there's no wrong answer. Like if if she'd have said no, I kind of would understand why. Mm. I mean, obviously you put an end to the episode, so there's no point doing that. But even her saying yes. I buy that as well. Yeah. Because at the end of the day, like they said, you know, at a certain point there was going to have to be human trials just because the Hoffins are moving faster than they thought. I mean, the Hoffins have been working on this drug for like 150 years, so they're ready for human trials. Yeah. Just it's only because we got there last week that she's trying to pump the brakes. So um, I like that. Yeah. And they've kind of set the precedent as well. Like the, the base doctor being Carson Beckett says we're not in the FDA's jurisdiction when it comes to gene therapy, when he gives mm. the inoculation to McKay in the, in the pilot, I think, or episode two. Yeah. It was yeah. Just, yeah. Episode two with the personal shield. When yeah, he, gives him the... he just didn't, it was like, Oh, he's set the precedent there. So it's pretty much mm. the wild west. Mm. Something I find interesting though, is this is a very Carson heavy episode. Like not only does he get a lot of the jargon like Janet used to get, he also gets a love interest story as well, and it's like mm. he's not even a re- he's not even a main character. He's not even in the opening credits. He's a guest star, like he's a recurring guest star, like Janet was. Yeah, and he's already got his own episode. It's like we haven't we have, a we haven't had a Ford episode yet. 
We've kind of had like. <laughs> speaking of we've last kind week, of remember when Shepard forgets? Forward? Forgets him. There was yeah. a beat here where he's like, "What's his name again?" Yeah, <laughs> Ford, Lieutenant Ford. We've kind of had a John episode with like thirty-eight minutes ish kind of thing, and we've kind of had a Taylor episode with suspicion, and and we know a lot about um, McKay obviously because he's a he's a pullover character. It's like we haven't had a Ford episode yet, but we've got a Beckett episode. <laughs> to be honest, like I love. Beckett and every scene he's in I don't know if it's the the dialogue or the accent or the acting or all three combined but it was blocked just a hallway scene and everything he said I just found myself kind of giggling along Mm. with how he's a very fun character yeah he's great he's just so great just everything he's in he, he seems everything he touches turns to gold most of the episodes and even though they were giving him crap at the start, like about how he didn't like going through the Stargate, and oh, just let's just put oh, yeah, a tally over right. here. Yeah, yeah. Let's that's... put a tally over here in the corner that Shepard and McKay both watch Star Trek, so we'll just put we'll hang that over <laughs> in the corner here, just so we all know that. Well, if there was um, Stargate in that universe, they'd watch that, obviously. <laughs> Especially, but the fact that um, like Beckett doesn't like to go through the Stargate is a bit weird. He didn't seem like whingy and whiny like he kind of did in the pilot. Like he's kind of shifted like the tone of his character a little bit. So he's not as whiny, um, which I think helps yeah, as well. I think Reese didn't like him and I was kind of yeah, that's surprised right. by that because I didn't like Carson in the pilot either. But, I, you know, as time goes on, I really, you grow to love him. Yeah, he definitely has some of the most character growth in the entire series. Like Reese loves the Scots. Because mm. of Braveheart, it's his favorite movie. Yeah, I automatically thought Becker to be his favorite character, but oh, it, once again, like, it's you know, it's it's the Doctors. He's got an issue with the Doctors. <laughs> he would be his favorite character. You just got to watch more. Yeah, I come yeah. to love him a lot more after playing that bit two weeks ago of uh, Martin Giro, um, Maddie's favorite Stargate, the latest writer. Writer, writer, actors. I think yeah. you're just you know, able to. I'd say actor slash writer. Probably. probably. I went I mean, too hard. I went too hard too soon. <laughs> ruined it for myself. But when he played that bit, and, and I don't know anything about the actor that plays Carson Beckett, right? So for for all I know, he's a real Scotsman, or he's he's, he's an actor whose parents are Scottish. Oh, well, because you probably don't remember. Ding me. ding ding. Back in uh, no, I was going to say Tin Man. No, it wasn't Tin Man. Back in um, Torment of Tantalus. The guy who plays the young... Uh, Ernest. Ernest. Ernest Littlefield. Ernest Littlefield. That's him in the flashback video where Daniel finds... Oh, Jesus. I actually remember him. you guys saying, not in Torment Tantalus, but somewhere in between, you referred to the guy who played a young Ernest coming back in SGA. I, yeah. I didn't know that was... Okay, remember there's, cool. that, there's that scene at the wow. dining table where, where young Catherine is like, oh, have you tried direct current instead of alternating current or whatever it is? Yeah. That's Carson. Oh, Jesus. Okay, well, I'd completely the suit and... blanked on his face. That was that episode we did mention. I mean, that was yeah. years, years ago. No, but still, like you guys did, and I, I think at the time, I'm like, oh, good, I'll remember that so I can look out for it. And I just, I didn't. And mm. I, it's probably very offensive to any like legitimate Scotsman listening. But like, I listened to that accent. I'm like, that sounds pretty legit. Uh, it's like, it's like very emphasized. Like when someone puts on a real Aussie twang in their voice, like it's probably very exaggerated but he he does his inflections 
very well. And even yeah. last week in that no, video th- that we played where he talks to Martin Giro and giving him acting advice and, 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 and accent sort of um, interpretations to follow, I'm like, oh, you're a really good teacher. You're a good mentor in, in learning accents as well. So mm. I was surprised to learn, as dumb as that may, may make me sound, I was surprised to learn that he actually wasn't a Scottish actor or something. Yeah, you know? no, I, I think he hit the nail on the head in that it's either his parents or his grandparents are Scottish and have a yeah. thick Scottish accent. And he'll actually, on occasion, since on the special features, on occasion he'll actually, he says he'll call them to get the right pronunciation on certain words oh, if he right, can't get okay. it right with his dialect coach. So he does yeah. get help from them on, on how to sound like a real Scot. Yeah. It's like no. um, Mike Myers, the great Canadian actor. Yeah. He's old man. I think his mum as well. They're hardcore Scottish. Really? That's why he was so good in as fat bastard. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and then there come my vagina. Like it's... Ah, like, eat babies. Like it's not... <laughs> I reckon the Australian accent must be the most difficult because the only person I've seen even come close is Robert Downey Jr. He was very good. Actually, you know what else you won't want to check out? The worst film I've ever seen in my fucking life, and I've told you guys about this a hundred times. But The, the White Couch Me- movie. Yep, the White Couch one. Yeah. Uh, the movie Mental, and Liev Schreiber plays like this... I don't know if he works at like a at an aquarium and he's like a sort of shark handler or something. Either way, plays this real rough bloke. Um, but he does. I, I actually want to say the best Australian accent by a non-Australian actor I think I've ever heard. And it's because it's not overplayed. And at the time, he was going out with slash engaged to Naomi Watts. So he was ready to marry an Australian actress, probably hanging around with a fair few Aussies. And he would have yeah. picked that up and to not overdo it. But you're right, that Robert Denny Jr. one was pretty excellent considering most of the movie he was pretending to be an American, an African-American executive. I know, but um, that was Tropic Thunder, but he also does it in the Bonnie and Clyde one. Yeah, you're right. Sorry, I'm just, I'm going straight to like the, like most, well, not, I was going to say iconic, but the most recent one. Yeah, 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 I thought, I thought you were referring to um, Tropic Thunder. I'm just trying to think of another another instance where an American has done like an Australian accent. Oh, I can't even think of it. Sam Worthington in Avatar does an Australian accent. <laughs> <laughs> I was I was thinking, oh, geez, Hugh Jackman in Chappie does a pretty good Australian accent, but Chris Hemsworth in any of the Thor films. I mean, <laughs> nah, sounds I mean, like that's... a grade twelve Shakespeare assignment. <laughs> Sam Worthington and Avatar. Great call. Great call. <laughs> oh, shit. You know what? Uh, Ro- Rose McGowan in Troy does a great Australian accent too. No, Rose McGowan. Rose Byrne. Oh, sorry. Rose Byrne. Jesus. Sorry. I mean, okay. Nothing against Rose McGowan. But Rose Byrne is a national fucking no, treasure. I gave it to yeah. you. Saying, Rose, well done. Yeah, be a good call. <laughs> no, I just remember, um, remember Michelle Laurie always tells that joke about Rose Byrne in, um, in Troy. Where she's yelling after Orlando Bloom and she just turns around in the broadest Australian accent goes, Paris, wait! <laughs> yes. <laughs> what am I Like she's on Kath and Kim. Yeah. From that old breakfast team uh, was when they interviewed Sam Worthington and they thought he was Joel Edgerton. <laughs> I would have done the same thing. Kip said he did. He interviewed Sam Worthington. Everyone does that. No, sorry. No, maybe it was the other way around. Maybe he interviewed Joel Edgerton and thought he was Sam Worthington. I Either way. you in the Matrix. 
Basically, it was that it was yeah. it was that sort of shit. Like, right? So he interviewed, say, Sam Worthington, and he was asking about the fact that he was Owen Lars in Star Wars, and wow. it's like, nah, man, he was an Avatar, and he's like, oh, okay. Either way, how's Kathy Freeman to date? And it's like, like nah, man, I'm fucking Lara Bingle. Like, what are you talking about? <laughs> I grouped um, Chris Hemsworth in that back in the day as well. Until Chris Hemsworth kind of made it big, yeah. The Worthingtons, Edgertons, and Hemsworths. I couldn't tell you who was who. And yeah, the Joel Edgerton and Sam Worthington, I still can't tell you which one's which. Oh no, Edgerton's the fucking man, mate. He's he's another national treasure. Edgerton's the fucking bomb. Sam Worthington, don't mind him, but at the same time, I couldn't tell you. I couldn't end- tell you if Avatar and Star Wars were the, were the same guy or not. Like I, that's what I was like. I know Brett. I can't name the- one on our chat yesterday and I sent through a behind the scenes photo of Avatar 2 and Brennan said thank god for Avatar cuz Sam Worthington like where else would he be but that's the thing though like up until Endgame when Endgame Avengers Endgame became the biggest film of all time Avatar was the biggest film of all time you could go up to 100 people in the street and ask them who is the lead actor of the biggest film of all time <laughs> 99 people wouldn't Leo. know what the f- yeah, Leonardo DiCaprio. Yeah. <laughs> no one would know. And that's nothing against Sam Worthington. It's probably more of a, an attack on like the fact that Avatar hasn't had the like pop culture sort of grasp that you think that it would. But the fact is we're 11 years after that film and you would have asked people, who's the, who's the, lead, who's the biggest lead actor of all time based on the fact they were in the biggest film of all time? No one's saying Sam fucking Worthington. And I like the guy. That's because the same year Avatar came out was fucking Terminator Salvation. And then the year after that, he did Clash of the Titans. Yeah, like... See, I think that was that was actually a pretty boss move from James Cameron, though, because like even though he didn't have a lot to do with Terminator Salvation, it's still Terminator, so like his name's still going to be attached to it. And he, I think, mm. from what I read, like he kind of like pushed Sam Worthington to be in that role, which was kind of like a free advertisement for the fact that this was going to be the guy that was going to be an Avatar, his film later in the year. And then that became. Oh, did they biggest... come in in that order? Did they? Yeah, it was. It Terminator came out in like June, maybe July of two thousand and nine. And did Hurtlocker Hurt come oh, in? Wow. Hurtlocker. <laughs> Burn. <laughs> the uh, yeah, his ex-wife directed that. Yeah, well that that came out in. Uh, well, I think for us, it, for us it was early twenty ten, but in America it was tw- two thousand and nine. So they both were up against each other for um, at the Oscars, both up for best picture, both up for best director. And he won the whole season as best picture, apart from Oscars, right? Oh, uh, I can't. Apparently he won the Golden Globes. He won all the, everything apart from the Oscars, and his wife yeah. pipped him at the post. I remember thinking in the Oscars, like I'm like, I don't think the Oscars is ready to hand a movie like Avatar best picture of the year but i kind of wanted him to get best director because of all the shit that he did yes. to create that film like it shouldn't count toward his favor or oh, maybe he... is that what it was yeah maybe that he, for that. Like, he created or helped create technology to make that film possible and that's what the oscars does a lot too if you've got two films going up against each other for big awards one film will win the actor the other one wins director or one will win director the other one wins picture like, like joker it's just what, yeah, right. It's just what they do, and I think Hurt Locker did it do both. Did it win Best Picture as well as Best Director? Or I kind of want to say it definitely won Director. Like she's yeah. the first, she was the first female director to ever win, uh, and I'm pretty sure Hurt Locker won for Best Picture. I think it did. Yeah, and everyone was like, "Come on, that's just because you just don't like CGI." 
You're trying to be too nice. What? You don't like blue cat people? What? <laughs> <laughs> hey, just back onto Sam Worthington for a second. I've just been IMD, IMD being, and what you guys have been doing your Oscars chat. Uh, you'll be glad to know that uh, you know in between doing his uh, breakout performance in Bootmen, if you remember that <laughs> that movie back in two thousand, great Aussie films. You know, it's like the male version of Coyote Ugly. Um, he did He did an episode, both in the year 2000, did an episode of both Blue Healers and Water Rats. So, I mean... You were about to say Sea Patrol, mate. I honestly did. Yeah. I was like, nah, Sea Patrol's way later right. than that, mate. <laughs> sea Patrol was like 2009. He's too old for that shit. He already he made was, Avatar then. <laughs> he made me probably the most nervous for a... I did an interview with him for a movie called Man on the Ledge or Man on a Ledge. Anyway, oh, whatever yeah, it was. With Russell Crowe, was it? No. Um, Who was in that? I watched it. It was a pretty Jesus. good movie. I can't remember now. But he was a guy. Uh, that he had I can tell of- you. He, uh, Elizabeth Banks and Jamie Bell. Yeah. Keep going. There's one more guy that is like the Russell Crowe type. Yeah. yeah. William like an Sadler? Ed, an Ed Harris or something. Yeah. William Sadler. He was in Star Trek. Yeah. No, keep going. He's he's like number four on the top nah, build cast. I know. I, yeah. He's a bad guy. I know who you're talking about. I know who you're talking about, but it That guy. Yeah, I know. The bad guy in Die Hard too. The president in the MCU. Sloan from DS9, thank you very much. Fuck yourself. Um, <laughs> Anthony <laughs> Mackey was in it. Oh, that's right, yeah. But I remember interviewing him and I said, Oh mate, I really like this movie. It reminded me a little bit of Phone Booth and The Negotiator yeah. and something else. I said three movies where it just reminded me of these other three movies that I really liked. He goes, yeah, that's right. We plagiarized them all. Ugh. And I was like, oh, from the get-go, I'm like, this guy hates me. And He's I'm a like, douche He's anyway. a dickhead, man. I, ne- I never recovered. Like, And I, I felt like that was probably the wrong way to like question. But I'm like, hey, I really like these three movies. This reminded me of all of them, and I really mm. liked it. He's like, yeah, you're right. We didn't do anything original. And I'm like, oh, God. Isn't he the one that talks about his craft, though? I think he did at one stage. He's a dickhead. I think he did at one stage. The, the thing that annoyed me the most, I think, about him was he, he was in Clash of the Titans. Yeah. And he had a crew cut, and his mates said to him, "Come on, man! They didn't have crew cuts back then. They just would have been like straight blade or, you know, long hair." And he's like, "It's a fucking popcorn movie." <laughs> like, really? That's your answer? You're a fuckhead. it's your mate. Like he was telling yeah. the interviewer that his mate said that to him, and he's yeah, right. Mate. Wow, You're a dickhead! What a dickhead! Anyway. He's got he's got Avatar two, three, four, five to look forward to, so he's got some bank coming in. That's what I mean. Like he he got lucky he was in that first one because his his career fell off a cliff. I'm not saying much about me, he was a Stargate podcast guy, but the fucking <laughs> fact that <laughs> oh God. crushing it, mate. Oh mate. We're getting bigger and bigger. You know what I love most about being the Stargate podcast, guys, is that we can go off and talk about Sam Worthington and shit canning for 15 minutes in the middle of an episode. Yeah. Well, I mean, the, I mean know, I... this one's not great. Nah. As, oh, much, look, as, as okay. much as they kind of... It's weird how they have a shitty episode that you can just hang something off, like this virus that they'll fix yeah. the race. It's so weird, because even... Even on this rewatch, I hear Beckett talking to the other cure doctor, and I wasn't listening. <laughs> no. like, this is key dialogue for the yeah. entire series, more or less. 
okay, at least well, can the first I, couple of seasons. I never, I didn't want to jump straight to the end when we started talking about this, but like now that we're bringing it up, remind it, me because I didn't watch it. <laughs> oh, he, he quotes. Who does he? Who does he quote? Roosevelt or someone? Churchill. 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 That's it. Victory at all costs. It was okay. So they had this drug. They think that it might be a deterrent to the wraith. It might basically it makes them stink, and the wraith don't want to eat them. Like that's all yeah. it is. Like so, they test it out. They go into old St- Steve. Holy shit! That little exchange where he's like, what, "You got a name? I'm gonna call you Steve." He's <laughs> like, "My name is your death." He goes, "Eh, I prefer Steve." Like <laughs> gold. And then later we come and go, "Hey, Steve." And then like he gets up, and then Rainbow Sun's like. Bye, Steve. Boom! Blast him. And they just kept... And again, a third scene. Come in and go, Hey, Steve. And I'm like, this is never going to get old. I love it. Yeah. Oh, mate, it becomes, it it becomes a running joke. They just start giving him different names. There's Todd. There's oh, Bill. Really? There's, oh, yeah, it's gold. so great. They just so give him that, white dude names. That was fun. But, like, they test it out. They send in that guy. And again, like, I'm glad you said at the start of the podcast, Brendan... Like you've been saying for a while, that's what you love about Atlantis is they don't have to adhere to the rules of the ethics and morals that Earth and military and governments do. And I kind of wish they really referred to that. And that scene with Shepard and Weir where Shepard says what they want to do and Weir says, "Mm, the Geneva Convention would probably have something to say against that. And rather than say, well, hey, we're not in that galaxy. We don't have to do that. They don't even know. Don't put it in your reports. He's just like, well, I bet if the Wraith were at Geneva, they would have eaten everybody. And I'm like, eh. yeah, that's an easy way to sum it up. But I feel like you could have just said, we're not there, mate. No one's going to know. Let's f- these guys over by doing something, okay, questionably illegal. Even if you did tell them, you couldn't get done for it. It's like being yeah, in absolutely. national waters. And yeah, absolutely. Don't you have to that? have signed the Geneva Convention? Like you have to be a country that signed the Geneva Convention to be protected by the Geneva Convention? Probably something like that, yeah. So exactly. it's like the Wraith aren't part of that agreement. It's like, yeah. That's like Seems saying... flaky, whatever it is. Yeah. That's like saying, oh, the Wraith aren't protected by our NATO alliance. It's like, <laughs> obviously they're not. But then you get like further on, the development is that he starts like dying because of it and then does die, Steve. Um, and then they're like, oh my God, oh my God. It's not just a defense. It's also an attack. We can't possibly use this. And like the Hoffins are like, no, we can totally use this. That shit. Let's all get it. And not only are we defended by it, but if they try and attack us, we will survive and they will die. And then like everyone, everyone on the Atlantis team saying, Nah, man, that's wrong. You know why? Because if you don't defend yourself, but you attack them, they're going to be like super angry and they'll probably come after you. And we can't have that. I'm like, what the fuck are you talking about? Like, I think we, we, we sort of stressed that for a while that it was just like wrong to do because the Wraith would get upset about it and retaliate before it became about the fact that the inoculation was going to kill 50% of the people that took it. And then, okay, that's meaty. That's bad. Mm. And the fact that that old Santa Claus-looking motherfucker was like, oh, no, it's fine. He's full Donald Trump. Like, oh, my God, (laughs) is it Donald Trump right now? He's like, only 50% of people will die. That means 50% of the people will live. 
Those are statistics. Those are hard facts. I mean, believe me, <laughs> that is the greatest percentage of people. But like the fact that that like that's where it did get like actually juicy, and it was like this guy. They started out nice. They were just like, you know what? We wish we could be a society that survived. Every time we get a, a leg up, the wraith come in and cull us, and we can't stop it. We've got these hidden archives that store the knowledge of our people. The wraith can't even destroy this. We don't show anyone. We're showing you. We want to live. We want to survive. We've got this medicine we've been working on. And then they get the medicine working. Beckett brings his laptop. They're like, what is this technology? It's like, it's a it's Mac. It's magic. Deal with it. Don't worry about it. It's not even that good, it. actually. It's not even that good. It's 2005, okay? It still takes Pretty a Pretty sure it was an disc. Acer. <laughs> it's a floppy disk one. If we're they totally only got honest. like it's four gig of RAM, bro. <laughs> This is, this have is, you guys got Wi-Fi? Oh, my God. Oh, my God. This Mate, the so Hoffins terrible. don't even have a three-pin plug. How the hell is that thing going to be on for more than an hour? Run a cat six through the wormhole. <laughs> no, they, they just bought a Nakwood generator and supercharged the f*** out of it. <laughs> and all of that. And it was just like, I, I, I just, I couldn't, I, I appreciated the... The meatiness, like I said, of the end where the guy was willing to sacrifice half his population to attack. And the population went along with it? Like they all voted oh, yes? Not, was it 96 or 90? No, 96% of the people agreed like to it. I'm like, what the f***, man? You know mm. what? Not Half of our 98% might die, but the other half will live. And I'm backer that I'm strong enough to be in the 50% that lives. Like, what the yeah. hell? What? <laughs> I just imagine the Hoffman yeah. journalists be like, to the Santa Claus motherfucker. Why do you keep saying it's the Wraith virus? <laughs> <laughs> like, is it a race thing? He's like, ask, ask the race. Why is it called the Wraith virus? Because it came from, it's for the Wraith, okay? We're going to build a wall between us and the Wraith. It's a virus, believe me. <laughs> believe it's me. It's the best way. We're gonna we're gonna do all the research. The wraith are gonna pay for it. A strong post, to the wraith. Post that where he went to the mask facility, and he didn't wear a mask. And in the background, "Live and Let Die" the song was playing. <laughs> <laughs> I love my favorite is the guys just chilling there. The worker, yeah, just keeps working. Yeah, and he's like, "Okay, yeah." Look, sure. and the guy just didn't give a f- that he was there. I know, like the the American base listeners that 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 listen to our podcast, they're always like just great sending people. us through. They are great people, great people. They're always sending us through things and laughing at Trump. So I'm not like, hey, if you're a Trump supporter, cool, good on you. Um, but the rest of it is like, this is these little segments are just fun because like when Trump goes, the world love me and love us mm. and they love everything we're doing. Uh, no, we don't. Um, we yeah. question it. We laugh at it sometimes. Like, you know, hey, we're not doing the right thing all the time either. But, you know. You, you- Put it this way. Trump makes George Bush look competent, really. <laughs> I mean. Yeah. I miss the days of laughing at Bush like he was the right? worst thing that was ever going to happen. I didn't think that it was going awesome. to get worse. Remember that ad, the big billboard you'd see? And it was it was um, George Bush sitting at a computer. And it, was, <laughs> and it was like iTunes. So easy. Any idiot can use it. You know? Stuff yeah. like that. Yeah. yeah. Now it's like there's too much to do. there's too much fun to be had that you just you can't even I don't yeah. know it's almost wrong to have it I don't know it's so entertaining it's so fun yeah because it's not us because eighty thousand people haven't died really, in our country it is us like it's not us us but it's America the biggest superpower in the world and they're losing for now 
I like that. He goes, like someone questioned him in the Oval Office and said, oh, I'm from a bunch of hospitals. I represent them that don't have any equipment, that don't have any pre- you know, PPE. And he's like, nah. And she goes, well, when we don't, he goes, okay, sure, you might not, but I've spoken to heaps of other people and they say they've got heaps, so we've got heaps. In fact, we've got yeah. too much. We're going to start donating it to <laughs> other countries. I'm like, hang on, wouldn't you first donate it to the places that just told you they don't she have it? She just said they say- get it sporadically. <laughs> Oh, yeah. I they, think they got criticised because they did give a whole bunch to China. Very, it's entertaining at the very least. It is. It is. Mm. It's. It's. It. It can be summed up with that gift that you find of Kanye, where he laughs and then he turns his head, and as he turns, he goes real super serious and sad because like, yeah. <laughs> oh shit, this is real. Like, yeah, I, you couldn't laugh otherwise. Loved you'd how stupid George Bush was, and I, yep. I like. I even bought a DVD of Bushisms, which was just. <laughs> like 40 minutes of gaffes yeah. and honestly in the first four years of the Trump administration like he's going to win again that's the funniest thing Joe Biden's just a fucking idiot the first four years you could there's so many DVDs mm. it's like it's more than the Lord of the Rings DVD set yeah. like it's just ama- <laughs> it'd be amazing the one you said the other week Mitchell, was you and it's just like all his like gaffes of mispronouncing words it's just like a three-minute video of him mispronouncing words. Yeah. Oh, it's hey. so good. Anamish, anamish. <laughs> Let's all just agree to just basically yeah, abolish all the governments and we'll let Bernie Sanders and Jacinta Ardern become emperors of Earth. I honestly, uh, it's, I struggle to understand why uh, the Democrats don't get behind Bernie Sanders and, in the party. Because, mm. yeah. I mean, in Australia, it's different. Obviously, the... The party nominates their candidate and then the people don't actually vote for that candidate. They vote for the people in the local uh, federal election. Yeah, it's a very different voting process. They're only allowed to campaign for 32 days at the most, not 18 months, which is outrageous. And whereas for us, like voting is mandatory, we get fined. Voting is an elective process over there, and it's so then they they fight the system by like making it hard for certain groups and minorities to register to vote. Well, they have to do it on a Tuesday. Here, you can do postal votes all week, and then it's on a Saturday. Yeah, and you've got all day. So there's yeah. no real reason and, why you can't and the, vote. And the threat of a fine, so you find time to get it done. Yeah. Or, yeah, you go in the day before or the week before or postal vote or... I don't agree with it's mandatory, especially in this COVID situation. They made us, with threat of a fine, to go and vote for the... Who was it? For the mayor of Brisbane. Who it was yeah. a local. It wasn't national. That it was wasn't silly. state. It was a local government. Like Anastasia. I haven't, I haven't voted on the actual... I haven't voted on the actual election day in probably three or four years. I always just go like a week beforehand and I'm usually the only person in the polling thing. Whereas this time around, I had to line up outside a week before the election yeah. uh, and they had like gallons of um, of hand sanitizer there um, and letting people in like two at a time. It's like when I went in, they had to do the social distancing, but the people who gave out the, the voting cards didn't have gloves. There was no sanitizer. <laughs> yeah. I bought my own pencil because... I'm smart oh, to do it. Otherwise, I didn't think of that. they wouldn't, you know. So you still had to yeah. handle the same bit of paper that the person who was handing it out gave to you. Yeah. So I um yeah I have hand I had hand sanitizer in the car. Yeah, me too. 
when I took my mum to her cancer treatment this week, like her leukemia treatment, they had, because you have to sign in, they had like a table set back and there was two um, coloured buckets with pens and you had to, to sign, you had to get the pen out of the clean bucket, sign and put it in the dirty bucket and then they would wipe them all down later on. So as not to transfer, because obviously everyone there would have, you know, weakened immune systems. And they also got rid of all the magazines in the treatment rooms and the waiting areas. They threw them all out because they didn't want a chance of them, like, cross-contaminating either. Yeah. It's full on. So weird, even your psychology, the way that it's changed over the last few months. I even watch Netflix and watch TV shows. They shake hands and hug, and I'm like, whoa, what are you doing? You know what I mean? It's so strange how quickly you can just shift. I warn you all now, when we actually get to hang out in person again, fuck you guys are going to get some bear hugs. I tell you what, <laughs> I, haven't had, I haven't had human contact in like a month. So, mm. you know, there might be some dry humping as well. I don't know. I can't promise there <laughs> won't make be. Make sure Lincoln's there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. We do that anyway, though. We do that if we haven't seen each other for two days. That's fine. Is, isn't it just to take it back to a uh, Stargate thing? It's, God, we've been talking about some politics. But, like, is it a, is it a Jaffa thing to... When they handshake, do they do the like the old Kevin Sorbo Hercules thing, where instead of shaking your hand, you kind of shake the upper forearm? Of yeah, you grab the grab the forearms just like that. below the elbow, right? Is that what the Jafar do? Yeah, yep. Shell I wanna, hey, run. All I'm saying, hey, post COVID, that's how I want to fucking shake hands. Yeah, because cool. I think that looks boss man when i was a kid and i used to watch hercules the fuck legendary adventures with kevin sorbo and that's how they would basically shake hands that they would just do the warrior's grasp of a forearm i'm like holy shit that's what tough men do right and then you watch stargate that's what teal and the jafar do and i'm like no that's a like okay we're still making physical contact but it's not hand to hand like how often are you touching something with the forearm just below your elbow I think there is a little bit of homophobia in that because it's like oh straight men don't touch hands they will grab forearms instead well okay maybe it looks badass though like it looks it does, boss yeah, yeah. it's so a very homophobic I think, well I think the whole thing of waving and even grasping hands like stems from Back in the day when it was like, that's how you show you're not bearing any weapons. Yeah. Like, hi, I am i don't have a weapon in my hand, you know. That was a salute, right? That's that what they said. The salute was like the knights back in the day where they would lift like the, 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 not the visor or the mask, but their eye cover, the cover over their eyes. They would lift that up to show that they were a friendly. Like it would show that. Oh, I never heard that. I'd heard that somewhere. That could be completely yeah, wow. false. But like basically you would lift your arm up and raise that sort of guard over your eyes yeah, to show thing. someone that that's what you looked like. Hey, it's me, blah, blah, blah. And then after people stopped wearing helmets and would stop fighting on horseback or blah, whatever, that it would just be, you would still raise your hand and put it on your head. And that would be, yeah, nice. just, that would be a mark of respect. I love shit like that. Oh, f- yeah. Like I love that that's how we've evolved as humans and like, just little gestures and shit like that. Like, I love that sort of shit. So I oh, like the idea that... of the cheers with the cups. So yeah, you, yeah. You, you chink the glasses together. So each one of your liquids pours into the other. So you didn't poison one another. Oh, is that what it was? Yeah. My right. favorite is, um, you know, yeah. you know, like do- dining etiquette where it's when you sit down the table, fork on the left, knife on the right. That's because, you know, you go back to, like, back the old Viking days, forks didn't exist. You just had your knife in your right hand to, you know, cut your meat or whatever and then yeah. eat it with your left hand. So the knife was always in your right hand because everyone was right-handed. Mm. Um, yeah, and if you were, yeah, so you that, were gay, so they'd kill you. 
Yeah, you're gay and killed, basically. You're a witch. <laughs> Do you know, my mum, my mum was born left-handed, but she's right-handed now because, like, her teachers, her teachers used to beat her hand with, like, the ruler and stuff whenever yeah. she'd use her left hand. This is, like, back in the 50s. They would. Oh, they would say, my her. mother's gay, like George. Kistner. My mother is gay. <laughs> <laughs> Jesus, I feel like we we rarely go on tangents like this outside of long, out, outside of episodes. How many spies? And I you're feel also like... recording from home. And how many drinks deep are you two? Like I feel oh, like there's a bit three, of that in there. My three is more like a five and a half or six. I think I'm <laughs> one shot away from being half a bottle. <laughs> Oof. Yeah, I moved on to a different bottle, so I didn't like finish one, and so I've still got like <laughs> three separate bottles. Of home. <laughs> they got bourbon in it, yeah. Um, uh... And I think the other one's stronger, to be totally honest. It's from drinks two and three, they've been stronger, so it could be over the. Uh, over. I had um, I had raspberry cordial, and that's not a euphemism. It was legit Cotty's red cordial. There's some sugar in there. Don't worry about that. You're buzzing. That'll keep you buzzing. I liked this line. I'm just going to show you this. One last thread of knowledge, not for themselves, but for the generation that would survive. Ten thousand soldiers gave their lives to give them those last few hours. The last words of Farrell's journal are known to all Hoffins. Drums. Drums and the deep. Survived the calling. You cannot get out. The shadow moves in the dark. You cannot get out. Race. They are coming. That's incredible. Fool of a doctor. <laughs> They come in paints. I'm getting on. I believe the rule is you have to preface that with "I made something." No, he That's doesn't. Fun. He never <laughs> has before. And the thing is, it's been a long time since Brendan did make something that that completely caught me by surprise. Truth. I did that in the tomb from uh, season <laughs> five, six, season five with Daniel. Yeah, reading the book of Balance. Oh, could be season four, maybe. Could have been. I think it was five. That's one of the Ian McKellen quotes I go back to all the time, just the way that he really like lets the S's slip. Drums. Drums. <laughs> yeah, yeah. My, my, my high school PE teacher did that, and I wanted to stab him every time he did it. Well, Brendan Brent and I went on holidays with our school PE teachers. <laughs> oh, my God. That's no lie. That we did. Yeah, I know. Like, like three times. <laughs> yeah, and, not, and you know what? Years after we finished school. My grade 12 drama teacher added me on Facebook a couple of years ago. That was unfortunate. Well, I mean, I feel like we covered ground, but we also didn't. It was That was an interesting chat. That was like our uh, religion chat. That was our demons have, chat. Have, yeah. have fun editing the cut of that one, Mitchell. I don't even know what to do about that. I kind of want to just leave it all as it is. Yeah, or maybe even well. extend it. I, yeah. think, I think this podcast reflects the episode of Stargate. Just, it just fell apart at the end, you know? Fair enough. Fair enough. <laughs> Take your word for it because I can't remember. <laughs> yeah. All right, Mitch. I don't have five questions for you, but I do have one from Ashley OG. Just mm-hmm. the one. So it's yep. not a timer or anything. Just one. Let's do it. It's not a timer. Ashley O. Poisoning the well. What SG1 yes. episode is this the same as? 
I feel like we said it before, and I'm already forgetting. Um, uh, a cure. Um, Correct. Uh, oh, God, Correct. thank God. Oh. <laughs> I was about to start singing It's Friday, I'm in love This was, this one was from Ashley O last week Who directed Affinity? Uh, Peter Deloise Correct oh, I was about to say Brad Turner But he did this I mean, episode. it's 1.30 in the morning But you got there Yep <laughs> I got there I got there at 4am <laughs> Nice Well, there you go, 100% Two from wow. two Reese somewhere is screaming at us going, hang on. Not only did you ask him one question about this episode, you asked him a question about last week that he's had to research on. That's what happens. Well, it is what happens. I got two out of two, so suck a dick. Oh, and if you want to contribute some trivia questions, jump onto Patreon. Or even contribute. I mean, you don't even have to contribute. You can always just contribute as well. If you want, if that's the way you want to say it. Um, you can jump on a Discord or Patreon. Get in amongst the guys. Yeah, don't I mean, don't poison if... the well. Jump on the Patreon. Yeah, I mean you can put whatever you want in my well. You can poison it or do whatever you want once you're on Patreon. Well, uh, look. In the meantime, other than jumping into Patreon, if you are a first timer and that's the first you've heard of the Patreon, it might be also the first time you've heard about how to subscribe. Head to Gettergate, a Stargate podcast on your favourite podcasting outlet. So you can follow us on the socials: Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, or drop us a, a long form line uh, of communication: Gettergate at gmail dot com. Gotcha, and you can get on Discord too. Yeah. Just follow those socials links, and I'm sure it'll be on there somewhere. Yeah, it's been a while, but you reckon we should um, just empty the mailbag? Just grab onto our hairy mailbag and give a tug. Yeah, we yeah. said that a couple of weeks. So. I'd like it if at the end of every episode we said, "Let's do a mailbag episode soon." Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> that can be a running bit for. Um, yeah. That's for our this Matt season. Damon. We didn't have time for him tonight, gag. <laughs> I like it. And look, just no, this is more from Brendan and I. Nothing against Maddie; it's just he's not into it. Um, but uh, from Brendan and I to the rest of the world outside of Australia, more than anything, uh, you're welcome. Because as of uh, what four or five days from the release of this podcast, May 28, the bloody NRL is back, back. One of the one of the only sporting uh, competitions going on on the planet it yep. just happens to be the best goddamn game in the world you're welcome okay just about watching huge blokes run at each other and just smack the absolute piss out of each other you know that's yeah. what i'm talking yeah. about yeah that's sport, you know Maddie. that's sport get into geek